So particularly since CBD works on the 5-HD1A axis in the brain, and 5-HD1A pathway, which is the same pathway that uh, SSRIs work on, it's a really phenomenal way to help wean patients off of those antidepressants and really help support them in a more natural way because most of those meds are not meant to be taken long term. I'm Michael Max, and this is Geological. The problem with plurality is that we have a difficult time seeing our differences as strengths and not threats. And so we miss the opportunity to take what is not similar to us or what we believe and use it as grist for the mill to better our understanding. All too frequently, those differences are used to sharpen the boundaries of us and them and, in turn, distance ourselves further from the ideas that we don't like. It's all too easy to slap a label on those idiots over there and then feel justified in hating them. In typical yin-yang fashion, we need both similarity and difference. Tune in any level of human interaction, and you'll find this dynamic is at play. On one hand, we are biologically driven to seek out someone different from us for reproduction. Biology loves diversity. Fitter beings are born from genetic, and I would venture to say cultural diversity. And yet, at the same time, you don't want to stray too far from the tribe or there could be repercussions. Nature invites us to be similar enough to fit and yet different enough to allow for innovation. I see this play out in our profession when we stake out a territory and we call it the true or higher medicine. It's easy to think that our perspective is the best, but the gift of plurality brings the opportunity to use different perspectives to solve a problem. It's easy to lean on a global sense of what's right and wrong, but especially in the practice of medicine, different perspectives point us toward different sets of tools. And as my eighth grade shop teacher used to say, right tool for the right job, boys. And I think he's right. Tools are a kind of magic. We can get attached to our favorites, but I wonder, are you seeing the methods you use as tools or as ideology? Are you attached to results or to some kind of orthodoxy? Can you harvest something of another's knowledge and experience? Or are you staunch in your beliefs and need for your perspective to be better, more pure, or more true? Oriental medicine offers us a rich ecosystem of perspectives, more than one way to be helpful, and the opportunity to find out not just more about how medicine works, but more about ourselves as well. In the past few years, CBD has burst onto the scene and is touted as everything from a cure-all for anxiety to a regulatory substance that holds the potential to help in the treatment of a vast array of modern ills. In a moment, we're going to get into a discussion of CBD with Chloe Weber and tease out what acupuncturists need to know about this medicinal. These conversations come to you through the generous support of our sponsors and members. All the sponsors here provide helpful products or services that you'll find beneficial in your clinical work. Worried that an EMR is too complex for you? Jane has friendly and knowledgeable support. Mayway Herbs is celebrating the 55th year of their family business. You're invited to make use of their vast library of resources. Are you concerned about the health of Mother Earth? AccuFast Needles is doing something about that. You can too. And later in the show, Ancestral Sturman offers up a sinew treatment 
And the folks at Blue Poppy have something special to share as well. Do be sure to visit the sponsors page on the Geological website to take advantage of all the special offers our terrific sponsors have for listeners of the podcast. I don't know about you, but sometimes I take a step back and marvel at my acupuncture needles. I mean, they're the world's simplest medical tool, a sharpened wire and a handle. That's it. And with this simple tool, hundreds of health conditions can be resolved. I love it. What I didn't love was the amount of packaging waste I generated at the end of the day. But that has now changed too. Ever since I switched to AccuFast Earth-Friendly Needles, I reduced my packaging waste by 90%. Not only are they a great needle, but the folks at AccuFast plant a tree for every two boxes of needles I use in the clinic. By switching to AccuFast Needles, you'll be helping patients, planting trees, and joining a community of practitioners changing the world. Like our simple needle, being a part of this solution, it's simple too. Visit AccuFastNeedles.com slash Geological to learn how. Hi folks, I'm Yvonne Lau, president of Mayway Herbs. Our family business turns 55 this year, and we wouldn't have gotten this far without the love and support of our community. We're truly grateful and promise you that we'll continue to work hard to support you and your practice. Please visit Mayway.com to find the perfect Pumsar brand formula or formulate your own in our dispensary. Our site also has lots of articles, videos, and herbal recipes for you to explore. And tune into our podcast, Chinese Medicine Matters, for insightful discussions on all things TCM. Learn about treatment strategies and powerful herbal remedies. As we welcome the month of May, our focus is on women's health. Our newsletter articles and podcast episodes this month will highlight different aspects and unique challenges women face. So subscribe or tune in. And if you're a practitioner, get a discount on our women's health formulas this month. Just visit Mayway.com. This season and every season, trust Mayway Herbs for your health and wellness needs. And thank you for supporting Real Chinese Medicine. I love how technology can help to automate my office. And I want to share with you my favorite tool for doing so, Jane. Jane is a clinic management software in EMR with a human touch. Whether you're switching your software or going paperless for the first time, the Jane team knows that the onboarding process can feel a little overwhelming. That's why with Jane, you don't just get software, you get a whole team. Included in every Jane subscription is their award-winning customer support available by phone, email, and chat whenever you need it, even Saturdays. You can also book a free account setup consultation to review your account and ensure you feel confident about going live. If you're interested in making the switch to Jane, head to jane.app/switch to book a one-on-one demo with a member of their support team. And be sure to mention the code Geological at the time of sign up for a one-month grace period on your new Jane account. Chloe brings the perspective of a Chinese medicine herbalist, as well as that of a concerned mother looking to help her child with a rare neurological condition. I so appreciated this opportunity to take my vast ignorance about CBD and be able to ask some questions and better understand this particular medicinal, its effect on our nervous system, and how we can think about it from the Chinese medicine perspective. All right, friends, let's get into today's conversation on what us acupuncturists need to know about CBD. 
Chloe Weber, the Radical Roots Lady. Welcome back to Geological. It's my pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me, Michael. It's always so much fun. Hey, today our topic is CBD. Now, CBD, holy smokes, it seems to me that CBD, it's everywhere. Everyone kind of knows about it. It's like a big thing. It seemed to come out of the blue just a couple of few years ago. And when you say CBD these days, everybody kind of like sagely nods their head. How do we know that people know what they're talking about with this CBD stuff? <laughs> well, we are learning. Cannabis obviously has been a plant that's been around for millions of years and so much so that we actually have receptors for it in our body. Research found out about the endocannabinoid system about 20 years ago, 25 years ago. Who was doing that research? Do you know? I do not know offhand, Michael, uh, though I did read some of it last night, but I don't know where it came from, actually. But it was the early 90s, and I can send you a link to one of the research studies. That'd be great. We can put it on the show notes. Totally. But they found that we have different receptors throughout our body, and mainly in the endocannabinoid system, the receptors are CB1 and CB2 receptors. So the CB1 receptors are primarily found throughout the brain and the nervous system, whereas the CB2 receptors are found throughout the rest of the body, especially within the immune system. So it's pretty cool how these two work together. And we actually make our own endogenous cannabinoids. So those cannabinoids are called anandamide and 2-AG, which is a very long technical term. So we're just going to stick with the 2-AG. So these cannabinoids that we make endogenously are used in order to regulate our system. So it's sort of fun when you look at it. I was reading a study talking about the Goldilocks zone, and that all I could think yeah, about yeah, was... Yeah, yeah, I'm a fan of the Goldilocks zone. Exactly. But it's really, you know, again, the middle way. So we bring it back to Chinese medicine. We're talking about we're trying to find the balance within the body. We're trying to find homeostasis. We're trying to keep things, you know, whether it's the immune system and the immune response... We want to activate the immune response, but we don't want a hyper response. So, you know, there's a lot of research coming out that CBD might be able to modulate the cytokine storm with, uh, you know, the Rona or with autoimmune disorders. So that's pretty cool and really interesting. But so it's it's bringing the body back into balance. So what we're finding with, with cannabis and with hemp is that these exogenous cannabinoids, which are from plants are able to activate the CB1 and CB2 receptors in different ways. So THC actually works directly on the CB1 and CB2 receptors, which is why you get the psychotropic effect. Whereas CBD, what it does is it seems to break down this enzyme called the FAAH enzyme, which is involved in breaking down anandamide in the brain. So by breaking down this enzyme, it allows there to be more anandamide in the brain. So you have these other, you know, downstream effects from having the anandamide more available in the brain, in the body, and in the nervous system, and in the immune system. So it's, it's pretty interesting. So yes, we're learning what, what there is. There's lots more research that's coming out, and it's really, really cool and exciting. Although one thing that was pretty disheartening is that I've been doing more research and a lot of the research that's been coming out has now been on some of the pharmacological derivatives of cannabis. There's a drug called Epilotex by GW Pharma, which is a CBD derivative. That's It's just an isolate of CBD. And then there's Sativex, which is a nose spray, which is used more for neurological conditions. Well, not that epilepsy is not a neurological condition, uh, but for more like MS and Parkinson's, and that has THC in it also. But so a lot of the research that I saw that's more recent 
has been focused on these two pharmacological drugs, which we can get into the difference between all of that. Yeah, I want to get into those differences. We'll, we're going to do that a little later in the conversation. And of course, it's not surprising that the pharmaceutical industry would try to find the magic molecule. It's their business. It's what they do. They do it pretty well. And then it's patentable so they can make themselves some money. The thing about the natural medicines, you know, these full spectrum things that we do, whether it's with an herbal decoction or the CBD that you're using, or, you know, just people sitting back and smoking a joint for that matter, is that you're getting this whole like symphony of constituent substances. And like you were saying, they might have one effect in the brain, but then there's like downstream effects. And, you know, it's like everything interacts with everything. Of course, it makes it very hard to study in some ways. But we know that human beings being the complex organisms that we are, and nature being the amazing complexity that it is, that there's all these different ways that we can find out how things interact with each other. You know, like you were saying, we have this endogenous cannabinoid system. Like, how did that get there? I mean, if it didn't have a purpose, it wouldn't be there. Of course, we can make these, you know, endogenously ourselves because, you know, if you got receptors for something, it's because you need it for a reason. The amazing thing about the natural world is there's all these substances, they're in resonance with us, so to speak. And by ingesting them, it like upregulates something in us. It's not that it's putting something in us that's separate from us, but it's upregulating something that's already there. It's like it interacts with our jung chi. Totally. I've read a lot about the idea that we have a endocannabinoid tone and that our society sort of is living in an endocannabinoid deficiency state. So basically we used to have hemp in almost all of our food. This one study showed that chickens used to eat hemp for their feed, and then in every egg that was laid, there would be 500 milligrams of CBD in there, and then it would be decarboxylated when you cooked it. No, wait a minute. What does it mean that it's decarboxylated? So this is that actually- That sounds illegal. <laughs> no. Um, so this is actually interesting in terms of powder for Chinese herbs. So with hemp or cannabis or, you know, Basically, we have all of these cannabinoids, and they're normally in one state. So it's like THCA and CBDA and, and whatnot. So then what you do is you heat it up to a certain temperature for a certain amount of time. They call that decarboxylating. It creates this chemical reaction and sort of changes these chemicals into different chemicals, makes them differently bioavailable and have different actions in the body. So I always think that's so funny. And I've always really oh, wanted sure. to play around with powdering the hemp mm -hmm. before we, we extracted it. Uh, but I just haven't gotten around to doing it yet. Maybe I'll, maybe that'll be a weekend uh, ex experiment next week. So basically, since our cannabinoid system is used to bring our body back into homeostasis, we create more endocannabinoids when we're stressed or when we're under stress, which clearly our society is uh, is slightly stressed these days, particularly. Particularly here, yeah, COVID and election about to hit as we record this. Oh, yeah. So everybody's using all of their endocannabinoids, but the enzyme that I mentioned before, the FAAH, and another enzyme called MAGL break down the anandamide and the 2AG. So instead of like with hormones or with neurotransmitters, those, those chemicals stay around. 
with the endocannabinoid system, we not we have the receptors, we have the like the endocannabinoids, and then we have enzymes that break them down. So they don't actually stay in our system for a long time. They're broken down after they're used. So once they're broken down, that's it, done. You need a new supply. Exactly. So then when you're super stressed, you're sort of running through those stores of those endogenous cannabinoids. And that's why we're seeing such remarkable results with so many of the CBD products and with so many patients who we have who are being put on CBD because they're actually at this deficient state. Though it's it's new research and it's it's interesting to quantify and you know all sorts of challenges with that. But it does make a lot of sense when you sort of look at the chemical reactions within the body. I got a question. How does our body make those endogenous cannabinoids? Do we know the mechanism for that? Not that I know of. Um, I have no idea how we make them. <laughs> I, mean, I, I hear you talk about it, that we have them. And it makes sense to me that we would be able to naturally generate them. Again, because we have the receptors. If you have a receptor, it means that there's a use for it. It means that that you know, there's a way the body interacts with itself. But I was just wondering, yeah, how how is it that the body makes that stuff? It's a really interesting question. I honestly haven't come across anything about it. You know, they're just chemical receptors that lock and key fit in with these receptors. So I'm not sure how we make them, but yeah, I don't. I don't either. I was, but I was just thinking, if we knew that, I don't know, like. I'm just going to pull something out of my hat, meditation, right? It's like if you quiet down, you hit a certain kind of nervous tone, right? Maybe maybe the body secretes things that it can't secrete when your cortisol is high or something. I don't know. I'm just talking off the top of my head here. But it, yeah, so it's a question that I've got. I do know that there are various things that affect the amount of endocannabinoids that we're making and how we're activating the endocannabinoid system. So... Uh, actually, I don't know if you've had Ayla, Ayla Wolf on your show. No, I don't think so. No, oh, she's awesome. So she's uh, she does a lot of functional neurology, and she recently did a course on using electrostim at PC6 in order to activate the endocannabinoid system in order to alleviate pain. So that's really interesting and makes a lot of sense in terms of you know, when we're putting needles in the body, we're sort of calming down the nervous system. And I feel like that sort of thing also allows the endocannabinoid system to sort of get its bearings and like start regulating itself a little bit. I feel like, you know, intuitively, as we're in this go, go, go society, you know, the more that we can slow down. I also, I just heard Wim Hof. I don't know if you know him. He's like the oh, weird, the ice man, the ice man breathing guy. So he was talking recently on a podcast I was listening to about how his breathing techniques activate the endocannabinoid system. And he didn't go into how or why, and I didn't look into it quite yet, but it would make sense to me again, that the more we can sort of regulate our nervous systems and tap into that, uh, the more our body has the ability and the chi in order to regulate our systems in that way. And it makes sense that the endocannabinoid system is sort of that bridge. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can see that. But today we're mostly going to focus on these endogenous ways of getting these substances into our body. And thank goodness we can do it these days. So you live in a state where if you want to smoke dope for recreation, great. Go down the street, you buy it. There's a number of states like that. I don't live in one of those. It's unfortunate. 
<laughs> well, but Illinois, sure. Illinois has a recreational marijuana law and you can like go across, you know, the river. When I was a kid, we used to go to Illinois because the drinking age was 18. You know, now we go to Illinois for, you know, that if we want it. It's a good thing Illinois is there. But increasingly, these things are available. But in many places, they're not. And so like here in the state of Missouri, for example, we can get CBD from hemp but we can't get it from cannabis. So these two things are super similar, but they're also different enough to like get your butt thrown in jail, you know, in the wrong circumstances. So what is the difference between hemp and cannabis? And does the CBD from these two plants differ in any way? No. So the thing with cannabis versus hemp is really just the percentage of THC that's in the plant. So, I remember somebody explaining it to me as they're all dogs, like, you know, it's all the same family of cannabis, but the THC is sort of just bred out. So we're getting rid of the pit bull or whatever, the psychotropic effects. But so hemp is technically and legally classified as hemp as long as it has less than 0.3% THC in it. It's the same plant. It's the same family. It's just one has less THC and more cannabinoids. The other one's going to be bred more for THC. There are different breeding techniques. And it's interesting because Eric Brand, his article on the history of Chinese medicine and cannabis does show that uh, Chinese medicine back in the day was differentiating between the male and the female strains of cannabis, which traditionally, or, you know, when you do growing techniques, the female plants are typically higher in CBD. When they're fertilized by the male plants, their CBD counts go lower and there's more THC versus the male plants are often higher in, in THC. And so there are different growing techniques. It, males to do are it. higher in THC? Yeah. Typically males are higher in THC, I believe, and the females are higher in CBD, but there's Until all- Until they're fertilized. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it can get sort of tricky. I'm I'm definitely not a farmer. I would kill them all. I've got two cats, a dog, and a kid, and I can't keep a a damn plant alive for longer than literally a day. So that's definitely not my my level of expertise. But it is cool to know that in Chinese medicine we were looking at all parts of the plant as we would, because that's our our expertise. And so we had Ma Bo. Uh, which was the marijuana plant, I believe. Ma Fa, which was the, uh, no, Ma Hua, which is the flower. And then Ma Fen. Yeah, I think Ma Bo was the CBD. Ma Fen was the marijuana. And then Ma Hua. Ma Hua would be the flower. Ma Hua must have been the marijuana flower. Ma Fen must have been the hemp as like an industrial plant, which we can use for, for, Closing. I wonder if it might have been the no that would have been Ma Gun maybe for the root. I think it is. Yeah. Well, and then we obviously have Homa Ren for for laxative purposes. Yeah, and then there's the seed. So how does the seed play into this CBD world if it plays at all? So the seed is what we make hemp oil from. So a lot of times it can be really confusing because due to the FDA regulations, CBD companies like Radical Roots, we can't say CBD anywhere on our labels anywhere because there are pharmacological drugs that are being made specifically from CBD. We cannot make supplements around that same constituent. So it's this weird, I wouldn't say loophole, it's potentially discriminatory process in which 
the government provides preferential treatment to farm companies in order to sort of make more money off of these these patents on these things. So we can't say CBD on our bottles because then we can get ding from the from the FDA or you know confiscated or whatever. So like on all of our bottles it says uh, 500 milligrams of, you know, complete spectrum cannabinoid rich hemp or some sort of variation of that you're going to see on really high quality hemp products especially with people who are concerned about getting uh, you know their their stuff confiscated if you have a big enough company a lot of them don't care but i i do care about my products <laughs> i do want to keep the company so when you see hemp oil a lot of times people think that it's just hemp oil that you're getting to cook with so but that's that's different so hemp oil that you're cooking with or hemp oil that you're using topically say for eczema or for uh, you can use it for acne. That's mainly made from the seed, as far as I, as far as I know. But I don't think that the seeds are used in terms of the extraction very much whatsoever. We'll leave some of the the stems in some of our extraction techniques so that we can get more of the mineral minerals and other phytocannabinoids and stuff out of the the stems. But the seeds we don't really use. This is exactly the kind of stuff I want to talk about because, like I said at the very beginning. CBD is a very popular thing these days. You mention it and everybody shakes their head like they know what it is. You know, if you really begin to like scratch below the surface, it's like, well, I actually don't know much about this other than some things that the industry has been telling me. But how do I know I can trust that? Because it's just stuff that I've heard from the industry, just because it's an industry made by people who, you know, I happen to be in alignment with. Why should I trust them any more than any other industry that's, you know, putting out their information? And so I think it's really helpful to have these kind of conversations like you and I are having today where we can, we can really dig into it a bit because I think people think they understand a lot when they actually don't. Well, and I also think that as, you know, herbalists and practitioners of traditional Chinese medicine, we are the experts in herbal medicine. I mean, I can't think of any other field that has as much herbal training as we do. So when people are taking these plants and taking these herbs, you know, we are the people that should be leading this revolution because it is a plant that's really phenomenal. It's really helpful. It's really versatile and really, really incredibly safe. But there are circumstances in which it's not safe and there are ways to potentiate it. There are ways to, you know, downregulate it and there are ways to do it responsibly. And I think that that's part of what I hope to do in terms of helping other herbalists realize, you know, not only the power of this plant, but, you know, the ways that it can help your patients and the ways that it can uh, also harm them. So I'm, I'm really happy that we're having this conversation too. Yeah. Well, speaking of contraindications... Again, I don't hear too many out there in any of the, I was going to say literature, but again, most of the literature is advertising. So what are some of the possible downsides of CBD? Where would you not use it? Where do you want to be cautious in using it? So CBD acts on the cytochrome P450 enzyme in the liver which is how about a quarter of our pharmacological drugs are broken down. So it can increase serum amounts of multiple drugs. This I found to be incredibly helpful, actually, when working with patients and in conjunction with their doctors, ideally, 
to reduce the amounts of the meds that they're on. So it's going to potentially increase the serum concentrations of calcium channel blockers, benzodiazepines, antihistamines, antiretrovirals, some statins, but not all, which is very interesting. It depends on how they're being metabolized. Uh, but also, you know, the one that I found to be most helpful is that it does increase serum levels of most SSRIs and antidepressants. So particularly since CBD works on the 5-HD1A axis in the brain, 5-HD1A pathway, which is the same pathway that uh, SSRIs work on, it's a really phenomenal way to help wean patients off of those antidepressants and really help support them in a more natural way because most of those meds are not meant to be taken long-term. And, uh, and we all know many people are on them not only long-term, but are on multiple variations of them. So you do want to look into the herb-drug interactions. Generally, it's very well tolerated. And complete spectrum hemp has been shown in many research studies to be much safer and much, much better tolerated than the isolates again. So, you know, especially when I'm looking at seizure disorders for Remy, uh, for my son who has a seizure disorder, for anybody who doesn't know, that's why I started the company. When I'm looking at epilotics and talking to other families about their experiences with epilotics, which is the isolate derivative, the studies are just really night and day when you see how much more effective, how much safer, and how much less uh, complete spectrum hemp extract you need versus the isolate. I looked at a meta-analysis that showed that comparing Epilotex to complete spectrum hemp extract for intractable seizures, and the kids on Epilotex were on 25.3 milligrams per kilogram per day versus the CBD extract uh, which was six milligrams per kilogram per day. The side effects and the, the serious adverse side effects were, were in proportion to that also. So I think it was, uh, let's see. So the CBD had 33% of the patients had mild side effects and 7% had severe side effects versus the epilotics, the isolate had 76% mild side effects and 26% had severe side effects. And a lot of that has to do with liver and kidney function. So it's, you know, again, it's that entourage effect, which is always so funny that like everybody's so excited about the entourage effect with with hemp, whereas obviously as Chinese herbalists, we're always talking about the entourage effect, not only within one plant, but within the whole formula. You know, it's it's really the whole is so much safer and so much more effective than the parts. And, uh, and that's being shown in a lot of research, although apparently, you know, some people don't care. But, you know, doctors still typically prefer to prescribe the epilotics just because they feel like it's it's a more regulated product, which is true and is an issue with CBD companies because the FDA does not regulate them in a way that they're, they're necessarily consistent, which is pretty essential, especially for epilepsy. Hello, everyone. Anne Cecil Sturman here. A working knowledge of the eight extraordinary channels from the unbroken oral tradition of acupuncture is valuable beyond words. The power of these channels is tremendous if the practitioner has well-integrated diagnostic, theoretical and practical skill. You'll be familiar with Dumai, the governor channel or the sea of yang, the primal reservoir of yang which ultimately finances all movement and growth. But this channel also governs the ability to self-determine. 
The psycho-emotional presentation of your patients can be matched to a classical activation of this channel, clearing impedance in the free flow of yang chi to body, mind and spirit. I'd like to share with you the marvelous potency of the Do channel in a full-length live treatment video from the seminar I taught last year in Melbourne, Australia. It's at ancecilsturman.com forward slash sinews2024. Click on the jump to free teaching button or see the link on my Instagram page at ancecilsturman. Thanks, Michael. Back to you. Yes, well, especially for something like epilepsy or you know other very severe conditions, this really raises the point as well of how do you know that you're getting a good product, that you're getting a good, clean product? How do you know? I think every company says ours is the best. We're, we got high potency. I mean, everyone, I, mean, I don't think anyone's going to say, well, you know, we kind of cut some corners, but we're going to sell it to you for half the price. So you want that, right? No, no one sells their stuff that way. <laughs> Right. Everybody says I've got this great product, it's high quality. So a couple questions. Number one, how do you know what high quality is? How can you actually assess a company and know that it's high quality? And the second is there are different methods of, of extraction. I suspect they all have their pluses and their minuses. So could you speak to us a bit about how the CBD is taken from the plant, the different methods, the the things that, you know, maybe are more natural or more safe and the things that might be, uh, you know, maybe have some issues and what to watch for. In terms of extraction, there are a couple of different main, you know, main ways that you're going to find CBD. So CO2 extraction is one of the most popular ones out there. So that's uh, using carbon dioxide, which is a liquid gas. And it extracts not only, but it only extracts the nonpolar chemicals. So it's not water soluble. And that technique is really, it's very clean. It's very efficient. You get a high cannabinoid uh, count. They get really consistent results from doing the CO2 extraction and it's very clean. So that's used very commonly. And a lot of people tout that as sort of the gold standard. And that's where the fat soluble. Those are, that, that's for the lipids. Yeah, that's where you're getting the lipids. But unfortunately, not you're soluble. not getting the water soluble. So you're not getting all of the aspects of the plant. And some of the terpenes are lost in there. And so it's really, you know, that's, that's really unfortunate. Although they're, they're, they're clean products. Um, they're typically well regulated. It's a very expensive process. So, you know, there are people who are investing a good amount of money into their product line. Although, you know, again, I think, I think I saw a study that said that about 70%, if not more, of CBD products on the market are white labeled. So at this point, there's just a bunch of really big companies that are just mass producing a bunch of CBD and selling it out. And, you know, I remember even when I was starting Radical Roots, I had so many people just be like, just get it from here and slap your label on it. You'll be good. And I was like, no, the whole point is like, I want to see the dirt. <laughs> like, I want to know the farmer. I want to be a part of every step of this. You're uh, an herbalist. Yeah, but I'm a big nerd and a little crazy. But um. But yeah, so then the other extraction, so ethanol is also another common one. Um, and that does get both the polar and the nonpolar aspects of the hemp out. So that can be really, really effective and really beneficial. But you've got to make sure that you're doing you, working with somebody who's doing it very cleanly so that there are no residual solvents at the end. 
you know, radical roots, we'd take a different technique and we use an alchemical spagyric extraction, which isn't used by many. Wait a minute. Say that again. I missed that word. <laughs> alchemical spagyric extraction. So, how do you say it again? Spagyric. S-P-A-G-Y-E-R-I-C. Okay. Spagyric. Alchemical spagyric. All right. Now you got my attention. What the so heck is that? It's used actually in Germany a decent amount. I had a couple of, of of my teachers would talk about it for herbal extractions back in the day when I was in school. But basically, I have this brilliant chemist physicist who lives up in the mountains in Colorado. And so with spagyric extractions, it's the spiritual but also alchemical technique. So they take the herbs and they tincture it in uh, organic grape ethanol. So we're extracting all of the, what they consider the spirits, but basically the, the polar and the non-polar aspects of the plant into this alcohol. Then they take the plant and then they burn the plants uh, for six to eight hours. From the ashes, he uses water to reconstitute all the salts and minerals and puts it back into the tincture. And so when you put the salts and minerals back into the tincture, you know, spiritually, it's combining the, the body and the soul back together to create sort of this perfect magical uh, herbal remedy. But also there are these crazy chemical reactions. So you can watch it when it's happening. It's really cool. You see all these like bubble, it like starts bubbling and boiling. And, and to me, since hemp is such a mineral rich plant, it's really, really essential to me to have the minerals in there as cofactors in order to potentiate the actions of the hemp. Because as an herbalist, I really feel like you know, those minerals wouldn't be there if they weren't a part of the healing properties, especially with a plant with such a long and beautiful tradition of, of healing. So so I love the spagyric extraction. I'm obviously biased, but I'm really, really proud of our products. And, you know, as an herbalist who's tried 20 to 30 other, other brands, I, I really definitely stand behind ours. But there are other, I'd, I'd like to shout out, Stacy Donaldson is another practitioner, a really brilliant herbalist, and she's in Longmont, and she has uh, Good Life Botanicals, which is a really wonderful topical product. I think she combined forces with Mark Benson, uh, Bryson, I forget his name, uh, who has the Evil Bone Water, and they did a collaboration. Oh, evil Bone Water. I need to get that guy on the show. Yeah, yeah. He's a mm. riot. But yeah, so there, there are other practitioners out there who are doing some really, really great stuff. And, you know, other companies that I really like are Haley's Hope and uh, Palmetto Harmony, CW. But so the extraction is one thing that's important to look at. The other main thing that you always want to look at is that the company is transparent when it comes to their uh, certificates of analysis. So with hemp, as I was saying, since it's a mineral dense plant, hemp is a, a super accumulator. So it pulls up toxins from the earth. I was wondering about that. Yeah. Right. As I was listening to you talk about this fantastic alchemical, I still can't pronounce the word, but I'll learn it <laughs> later, process, I was thinking, okay, you're extracting some very important constituents. I could see them being, okay, you, you got the polar, non-polar, they're going to be very bioavailable, but now you're bringing in this other piece. If that thing grew up like by the side of a road versus like out in some really clean area, you're probably getting all that stuff from the highway all of it yeah. yeah it's terrifying i mean that's that's my main fear with 
the mass produced CBD is that it's not being tested. And many people are taking this as, you know, sort of a self medication, a last resort, or for neurological conditions. And adding heavy metals, adding glyphosate, adding all of that stuff is is really just going to compound the issue. And a lot of, you know, CBD is not a cheap supplement. And if it is cheap, it's probably not worth buying. If it's um, cheap, you probably want to give it a pass. But it's it's not a cheap supplement. And, you know, a lot of these patients are really desperately looking for for help and support. And so the the idea of them getting further chemicals to to pollute their system makes me very concerned. But so we can basically every every time that you make a CBD product, you're, you have to get some testing done. So I have to prove, you know, I have to make sure that there's, you know, in our bottles that have 500 milligrams of hemp, I have to prove that there's 500 milligrams of hemp or within 5% or 10% of that number. Um, my extractor is very OCD. So he makes sure that it's within Excellent. a very, very small margin of that. He's always like way beyond any expectations. And then you also have to show that the THC is less than 0.3%. Is it, is it 0.3 or 0.03? Uh, yeah, it's less than 0.3%. So it's less than 0.3%. Okay. That's, that's what I was thinking. All right. Hey, maybe my math brain's better than I thought it was. Boom. <laughs> anyway, it's, it, so it's a very, very tiny amount. It's a very tiny amount. Oh, so we have to do the test to make sure we don't have too much THC in there. Otherwise, we obviously can't do that. Um, so that's another thing to look out for. Also, if you have uh, a hemp extract that has a tremendously high amount of CBD in it, they're probably dumping a bunch of isolate into the full spectrum hemp extract. So if they're saying it's full spectrum. It's probably like partially full spectrum, and then a bunch of CBD isolate on top of that, because that's going to make it really cheap. And you can really say, like, I have 1,500 milligrams yes, of CBD. Yes. There, was, uh, there was a glass blower in the Seattle area. They actually did very, very, very well for themselves after Mount St. Helens blew up, because they put a little bit of the Mount, they put some Mount St. Helens ash in their glass. Mm -hmm. And then they sold it as, ooh, this is made from Mount St. Helens ash. Well, the ash from Mount St. Helens made really ugly glass. So they put in just like a tiny little, like just enough to say it was in there, right? Exactly. Um, which is brilliant marketing. It's very good marketing. It, it's brilliant marketing. And they did blow some very pretty glass. So they, you know, they had, they had that going for them. But back to your thing here. So there's full spectrum and there's isolate. Isolate is where they're just pulling out it's the, just CBD. The, yeah. Just the CBD. And then the full spectrum is where they're like tincturing the entire plant. Yes, exactly. So there's CBD and THC are two of, it's unclear, but somewhere around 115 different cannabinoids that are in the plant. So, you know, along with the terpenes, which are sort of the essential oils that are in the plant, that gives it all that smell um, and the variation in the effect. So, you know, you can, there's significant variation in the effects of the different types of plants. And a lot of that has to do with the, the terpene profile of each plant. Full spectrum is the whole plant. It has all the cannabinoids, terpenes, phytochemicals, all of that. Um, and then the isolate is, is just the CBD extract. You can buy that. You can put it in water. You can, you know, modify your products. Uh, it's sort of a cheap and dirty way. In my estimation. Yeah. Well, it's like, okay, so there's some toothpaste and it's got CBD. They're probably, they're, they're using the isolate. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. 
You're making a soft drink. Oh, it's root beer with CBD. It's the isolate. Dude, I went to a CBD convention in New York like last year, and I was I was a super daunted by how much money all these companies had because people are just pounding money into CBD, and then B so disturbed by the products they had like CBD slushies, and I'm like, so you're putting in CBD into this like literally like blue bright blue slushy filled with sugar and pretending that this is a health tonic, like it's just it's absolutely. Absolutely insane. Humans are funny, aren't they? Oh my god, the marketing thing—it's—it's it's very hard for me to comprehend. Actually, I'm not sure it's the marketing thing that's hard to comprehend. People's greed, I think, can be hard to comprehend. And and I don't think marketing necessarily equals greed, although in many people's mind it does. Oh, marketing—you can't trust them. Well, many times you can't, but many times marketing is really about like getting a clear message out to the people that you want to help. That is also marketing. Oh, totally. We really no, need I, to differentiate I, there. Well, I think marketing marketing is massively important, but like, you know, if you're marketing a, a slushy as a health drink, it's a little bit disturbing. I would just call I would call that delusion. You're like, you can you can keep this very unhealthy lifestyle that you've had, but now you can feel better about it because we just put an isolate in here that is supposedly good for you. Well, and that's I mean that's so much of what our society is doing in terms of health fixes. It's just looking for that quick fix, which I do think that CBD as a trend and as a, as a supplement can be used to help support the body uh, very quickly and very efficiently in order to help give people the space in order to heal and to take those next steps. But I, I obviously don't think that CBD is a one-size-fits-all, heal-everything type of plan. I think it's very supportive and very helpful and very safe for, for most people, as long as it's a high quality product. Um, but it's not this, you know, you know, this quick fix that people are always after, you know, a lot of people, you know, you know how it is with acupuncture herbs, you know, you put needles in somebody and they'll say, well, you know, it helped this, this, and this, but I still, you know, I still get my period. And you're like, well, cool, you're still going to get your period. Um, or, you know, you're like, whatever. To, you're supposed to get your period. Exactly. Is, like, are you getting it on time? And is it know, comfortable? Or, uh, you know, I still have allergies. And you're like, well, I never said I could get rid of your allergies. But I said I could support your body and, you know, help with other things. So back to the COAs, I just want to point out that, like, you should be able to go to every website and look up the certificates of analysis. So on the on, it should be on the website. It, it should be visible on the website. You should be able it, to find it. Like if you go if to Radical, it's not, you should question that company. Yeah, or you should email them and say, "Hey, I'd like to see your COAs." Um, especially if you're an herbalist and you're recommending this to your patients. You know, I take it very seriously what we do with our products. In a because I care, and B because a lot of acupuncturists prescribe our formulas. And there's no greater honor to me than to have my colleagues prescribe herbs that I've created and that I've put together. So I would never, ever put them in a position of giving out to their patients anything that was less than as immaculate as I could make it. But on the COAs, you should be able to see testing for heavy metals, which is really important, again, because hemp is going to bioaccumulate any of the heavy metals in the areas, pesticides, molds, mycotoxins, like all of it. So, 
So if you want to look at a good example, you can check out Radical Roots. Again, there are other great products out there. I'm not just trying to plug mine, but um, but you can see a COA on our website and you can sort of get an idea. It shows which terpenes are in which formula, which is fun because the herbs are in those formulas. So the Chinese herbs that we have in the formulas also have terpenes in there. So that's cool to see how that modifies some of the different formulas. Uh, but you can just see a good example of, you know, what you do when you're testing for everything, what you should be looking for. Okay, great. Terpenes. I've heard this term. Isn't that where like a lot of the sort of fragrance comes from? Almost like that perfumey aspect? Mm-hmm. Certain plants really have it in them. Other plants, not so much. Obviously, cannabis, you know, it's incredibly fragrant. It's quite fragrant, right? yeah. It's incredibly <laughs> fragrant. So biochemically, biofunctionally, why are these things important? Well, terpenes have, um, so they have their own mechanisms of action also. So, you know, we can find terpenes in almost all plants. Pinol is one of the ones that you're commonly going to see in CBD, and that's in pine trees also. Um, a lot of these are sort of what we think of as essential oils or volatile oils. You know, again, if we bring it back to Chinese medicine, we think of these as the type of things that we want to cook in last. So like the mint, you know, like we want to make sure that we're, we're very careful and delicate in extracting these oils and doing it the right way. Otherwise, they're not done right, which, you know, brings it back to the CO2 extraction, which doesn't do a great job of preserving these particular parts of the plant. But so these terpenes can really help potentiate the different actions of the hemp. And so, you know, if anybody who's listening or if you've, you know, maybe smoked per se marijuana at some point in your life and smoked different types of it, you're going to notice that it's going to have different effects. That's mainly based on the terpene quality. So say I have one terpene mix might have, you know, herbs that are really antiviral and also really calming of the mind and calming of the shen. Other ones might be really, you know, uplifting and might really affect the immune system and uh, be more of a chi tonic. So it's really trying to find the balance. And that's been something that's been fun is trying to find different formulas to potentiate the actions of the Chinese herbs and make sure that the, the terpene profiles match what we're doing. But it's, you know, as I said, we have terpenes in our Chinese herbs. Also, we have terpenes in a lot of our, our vegetables and, and foods that we're eating. So it's, mm -hmm. uh, it's cool. So certain terpene profiles will have like a spirit awakening effect. Mm -hmm. Others will have more of a calming effect. And I mean, has this been researched or are there ways of knowing, oh, this profile tends to bring this interaction in people. That profile tends to create this interaction in people. So each terpene has been studied sort of more individually. So like, uh, myrcene is one of the most abundant terpenes in cannabis and it's musky and it's sort of got that like clovey smell. Um, and this one's been studied to reduce inflammation and chronic pain. So myrcene's in a lot of hemp plants and that's one of the ways that it helps with inflammation. Uh, limonene, which is, you know, obviously has a citrusy smell. That one's used often to boost the mood, which, you know, if you think in essential oils and like if you smell lemon, it's going to boost the mood either way. It helps with stress. Um, it also has antifungal and antibacterial properties. So a lot of them go in alignment with sort of what we know about the, the reactions of the plants that these terpenes are found in. So like lemons with the antibacterial and with the antifungal and also boosting the mood. So it's, 
you know, they're, they're studied more separately, but then you can see them in, in the COAs and sort of get an idea of what's going on. It's not something that we've gotten really specific with as a, as an industry. Like, I don't think that many companies are able to really potentiate those quite the way that we want. We're starting to see more companies like Radical Roots, where they're adding different phytochemicals and different vitamins and supplements to the hemp to potentiate the actions. Um, But I haven't seen many that have really done much work in terms of potentiating specific uh, terpenes. Although there are some supplements where they'll have CBD with uh, extra terpenes added in. So that's something that people can look into. I think uh, Chad Connors might have some. I might be making that up though with his uh, pure ratios. He might. I mean, I know he's, he's, he's also gone deep into it. Mm-hmm. You were talking a bit earlier about potentiating effects, how to potentiate CBD. I've heard that a little THC will very much help potentiate CBD. But I'm and just hearing you talk about the terpenes and hearing you talk about Chinese herbs for that matter, it sounds like there are other ways of potentiating the effect of CBD. The thing with adding THC is that the THC actually acts directly on those CB1 receptors we talked about earlier, whereas CBD doesn't. So having even just a small amount of um, THC in a product really helps increase the effect. So I think that that's part of the reason why, uh, especially in epilepsy, that we need a significantly amount of significantly less of the full hemp extract than we do of the isolate. So THC is really important for that, particularly for neurological conditions and particularly for pain. That being said, it's been interesting seeing how CBD seems to potentiate the actions of Chinese herbs. So it's unclear sort of what the mechanism of action of that is. I mean, obviously, we like to use herbs as a polypharmacy. We're using herbs together to potentiate the actions of one another and balance them all out. So that's We don't know anything except polypharmacy. Exactly. So we love using these together. But what I found clinically and what a lot of these other practitioners who are going pretty deep into the hemp medicine world have been saying and have been finding is that even just a small amount of CBD is able to strongly potentiate the actions of CBD, sometimes, you know, two to three fold from what we typically see uh, with our herbal patients just on straight Chinese herbal formulas. So it's unclear whether, you know, through activating the endocannabinoid system, we're able to, you know, metabolize the herbs in a different way. Possibly it's increasing the serum levels of the herbs for longer through its activation of the liver enzymes, or it's, you know, to me, how I sort of personally envision it, whether this is true or not, again, is allowing that body to get into that rest and relaxed state and sort of calm down enough in order to accept the healing potential of the Chinese herbs. But it, it is really interesting how much more effective uh, my patients report their Chinese herbs to be when they're in conjunction with, uh, with complete spectrum hemp as well. I find this with acupuncture. You just said the words, calm down enough to accept the healing effect. And I think that the reason acupuncture works so well and why people love it so much is because they do find this moment where they can just kind of let things be and just let it be. I think the body responds. I think there are things in us that can come forth 
when we're in that state that cannot come forth when we're not in that state. It's not that we can't do it, but you need to be in a certain frame of mind. You need to have your nervous system in your spirit and your body in a certain state of receptivity. We could call that a more yin state, I guess, but, but a certain state of receptivity. And then, and then things, it's not that things from the outside come in and change you, but that what is already inside can come forth. Exactly. I love listening to you talk because you always bring out such incredible insights. I mean, this is just what we see in clinic. This isn't an insight. This is what we see every day in our work. And that's what acupuncture is tapping into. A, it does tap into the endocannabinoid system, but B, is tapping into our innate healing ability. It's not, you know, it's not like we're doing anything. We're reminding the body what it already knows and like giving it that ability to, to see how it's supposed to move and how it's supposed to flow. And, you know, and there's so many different things in our society that are, you know, stealing away our chi and, and stagnating our chi and rousing up our chi, all of it, you know, like all of it. And, and so it's interesting, especially right now, as we said, with 2020, you know, I think that Chinese medicine, uh, in so many ways, just has such an incredible opportunity right now to really show the world what we have, not only in terms of our acupuncture, but in terms of our herbs, in terms of our lifestyle coaching, and in terms of just helping people take that breath, take that time, take that space to try and, you know, recalibrate and to, to, to figure out what's going on and to, and to make decisions as to how we want to live our lives as a society and, and move forward in a more productive, hopefully joyful and help, healthy way. But I am an eternal optimist, so we'll see. I tend to be an optimist as well. And, and here's something I've noticed about being an optimist. It gets me in lots of trouble. It really does. I mean, I, I will push boundaries because I don't see the gotchas. Mm-hmm. I'm only looking at the potential. It's like, ooh, there could be something really good here and, and, and not realizing that, well, there's also drawbacks. Definitely. As well. So my, my optimism tends to get me in hot water on a fairly regular basis. I would still rather be optimistic than pessimistic. I always say I'd rather fall on my face than miss out on an opportunity for something <laughs> that could help people or it could be great. You know, like I've, I've fallen enough times that, uh, that I know I'll get back up. So I think that that's, you know, there's, there's a bit of resilience there, but. Yes, re there is resilience. I think falling on our face builds that resilience. I was just thinking I'd rather fall on my face than live on my knees. Yes. That's a good term. I like it. You don't fall as far. If you're living on your knees, it probably won't hurt when you face plant. But man, I don't want to be living on my knees. No. Mm -mm. Well, and there's, you know, again, there's just so much need for help in our society. And, you know, we are so fortunate as practitioners of this incredible, incredible medical system that has been passed down for, for so many generations. And, you know, now is a time where I really think that we can thrive and where we can really, really help. Uh, makes systemic change in our society. But again, I, I dream really big when it comes to our medicine. And, uh, you know, I, I always hope that other people will as well. I was just wondering if every generation is looking to make systemic change. Is there any generation that's come along who hasn't looked and gone, 
you know, it's kind of a mess here. We need to fix this shit. Has there ever been a generation that, that didn't have that in them? I don't know. I'm not much of a historian. Well, I'm not much of a historian, but, (laughs) but it seems like, I mean, if you just look at history, you know, it's a constant like, well, we don't like what's going on. We're going to try to do something better. Now, a lot of times those things don't work out so well. No. But that impulse to, I'm not satisfied with the world. I want to see it be different. I suspect that drives a lot of us. As a practitioner, I see so much disconnect in our world, you know, disconnect from from one another. I feel like our society has gotten to such a place where it's just, it's really hard. And, you know, again, in 2020, we're physically disconnected. But then also, you know, if you look at, you know, the social media world, and if you look at everything, we've, we've been put into this tribalism of us versus them. And, you know, again, I, as a Chinese medicine practitioner, I'm just desperate for people to see the middle way and remember that we can have conversations and that, you know, yes, technology is an incredible gift that gives us the ability to, to research all of this stuff and nerd out and have these wonderful conversations, but also that there's so many gifts and and lessons from nature that if we don't get out there and, and touch them and feel them and smell them, then we're, we're missing out on a whole huge part of life. Yes. Thank goodness for the technology. <laughs> it can be very helpful. Thank goodness for those moments where there is zero technology and we're letting our nervous systems like re-regulate, resonate, re-regulate, readjust, readapt to the natural rhythms of the world, right? It's those natural rhythms of the world that we evolved in, right? All this electronic stuff is pretty new. I, I was listening to a podcast the other day, man, this blew me, this blew me away to such a degree that I had to stop listening and I had to just like sit with what was just said. I mean, just like hang out and just like let it echo. And this is what I heard. This is a social media expert. And this guy said, the problem with social media is that we think it's a dialogue, but it's not. It's a soliloquy. It's just me singing my song. And people are either applauding me or throwing tomatoes, right? So like what you and I are doing with the technology at this moment is we're using it for a dialogue. We're using it to try to understand each other. We're using it to, in this case, go deeper, you know, the CBD thing, right? I got lots of questions. There's a part of me that's like, yeah, this is great. And there's this part of me that's like, I don't know, there's a lot of hype. I need to talk to someone who knows a lot more about it than I do. And so I'm super grateful that we have the technology, that you're willing to sit down with me, right? I can show up with my ignorance and and maybe I can learn something. And then I can share all of this with all y'all that are listening right now. Maybe we can all learn something. But the problem with a lot of the social media, and and, and we're going to make this part real short because we're here to talk about CBD, not social (laughs) media. But I think this is really important in this moment. We think it's a dialogue. You look at an Instagram, you look at a Facebook post. We think it's a dialogue, but it's not a dialogue. It's a soliloquy. And that might explain why there's so much disconnection. Yeah, it's it's really profound and it's really terrifying. I don't know if you've seen, uh, it's the only movie I've watched in years, but uh, The Social Dilemma. Just yes, out on yes. Well, you know, when the people that make the technology don't want their children using it, you better listen up. 
exactly. So I, I like immediately like blocked all my Facebook. I actually deleted my email from my phone so I can only access my email on my computer now so that I just don't have that urge to like pick it up and check my email. Cause I was like, you know, I run a, a small business. I do it all by myself. And like, so it's always, did somebody, you know, need anything like that, you know, like check my email, check my email, check my email. And I was just like, I can delete this. <laughs> like that is an option and I'm going to do it. It's been like a week or two. And it's really so powerful. Far, so good. Yeah. Okay. I, I'm going to check back with you in a month or so. <laughs> yeah. Do that, it. that sounds brilliant. I mean, I hear you say it and I go, Oh, it was amazing. What's been amazing for you? Well, just like, I'll leave my phone somewhere and I just leave it there. I don't feel like it has to be right next to me. I don't have to like, that's my compulsion more than the social media is just checking the email. Do I need to respond to somebody? And, and it's like, no, you don't need to hear a response within five minutes. I can check my email plenty. <laughs> like it does not, you do 24 hours is a perfectly reasonable amount of time for somebody to get a response back. I don't need this attached to me. And it, it alleviates a significant amount of anxiety for me, but I think we all have our triggers and our patterns in terms of our cell phones and, and technology. And so, you know, whatever it is, that's, you know, the biggest uh, lore for you, you know, maybe try and get rid of it for a couple of weeks and see yeah. how you feel. Well, I don't really do much. So, I mean, I've really stepped away from it. Yeah. I stopped, I went on a little sabbatical-ish kind of thing at the end of summer, just got off of Facebook. Just like, I've been thinking about doing it. Doesn't feel really good. I got tired of being blamed for mansplaining. I'm like, you know what? I'm just, I'm just going to put it down. Life's been a lot better. My nervous system has been more downregulated. And when I hear you speak about uh, what you're doing with your email, I, I just, I just kind of take that inside and I go, oh man, I bet my nervous system would just unwind itself. That'd be like going for a walk by itself. And all I'd be doing is not checking my email. And that would already bring much more of a state of equanimity, not being constantly worried about that. Exactly. And it's really been a dramatic shift for me. I still have work to do when it comes to to my phone. I've got to find somebody who wants to do my social media for Radical Roots or something so I don't have to deal with that. In recent years, the Sa'am acupuncture style has generated significant interest and a loyal and growing following. In the Sa'am approach, a precise diagnosis leads to a four-needle treatment to address the five-element and six-chi imbalances in the body. The four needles target the controlling and generating cycles. It's common using this method for the needle sensation to be stronger than in many other styles. Thus, the choice of needle becomes important. The Unico brand of needles lends itself to both strong and gentle techniques. These superior needles are made of uncoated Japanese surgical stainless steel and feature the best guide tube on the market with its unique beveled edge. Additionally, Unico needles have a tensile property that helps with freehanding needles into Jingwell points and allows you to more easily feel the arrival of chi. Blue Poppy is the exclusive importer and distributor of Unico needles. Use the code QI. 2024 to save 10% off Unico needles at www.bluepoppy.com. You'll be glad you did. There's someone listening right now who's probably going to call you. Please. Go, I'll be happy to do her social media. 
I'll give you all the CBD. <laughs> there you go. Well, you know, we, we were talking earlier. I asked you the question, which is still a question, which is, you know, how our body naturally produces these substances. And, and you know, you were like, well, I'm not really sure. You know, we're kind of noodling on it. Maybe it's not that, maybe it's not about what we do. It's what we don't do. And it sounds like when we can help to like downregulate the anxiety, downregulate the nervous system, we know that good stuff comes out of that. We have more patience. We have more love. We sleep better. We're kinder to the people around us. It's easier to listen to other people. We're not, you know, in this like, you know, super hyper aroused state and CBD can help. Herbs can help. Acupuncture can help. But wow, I'm just thinking about like not having email on my phone <laughs> as a therapeutic intervention. I'm going to try it. Try it. I'm going to do it. I'm it doing literally, it. Like, I, I thought of it on the phone with one of my friends and I was like, I can do this. And then I just deleted it like immediately after getting off the phone. It's been two weeks, I think. And I don't think I'm putting it back on. That joy and the regulation and the connectivity like so much of that so anandamide one of the endogenous cannabinoids is known as the bliss molecule so you know you can sort of just think of it as you know that's one of the chemicals that's really helping us find that joy find that balance and then when you're stressed out you're just pulling that and sucking it up and and breaking it down through this faah uh, enzyme. So that's why CBD can be so helpful. And that's why sometimes you need more than other times. So, you know, if I'm super stressed, I'll take more CBD or, you know, if I know I'm not going to sleep well, I'll take a ton before bed. You know, like if I know that I have a podcast or something that I'm recording the next day and that I'm nervous about, then I'll take a ton of CBD. Um, but if, you know, I'm actually out playing in nature and getting to enjoy life in ways that, that are unfortunately much more rare than I wish, then, you know, I'm making enough endogenous cannabinoids and, you know, my, my system's not pulling them and breaking them down as quickly because I'm not stressed out, you know, and I think that, you know, again, our connection with nature is really helpful for that. Um, and I think that the connection to whole plant medicine is, again, something that a lot of people's nervous systems and a lot of people are really responding to when it comes to really high quality uh, cannabis products because you're really getting back to nature with these products when they're extracted well and when the plants are grown really lovingly and uh, and they're done in a in a really beautiful way. Mm -hmm. Now you have uh, we're not plugging your product line. Oh, you got a great product line. I will say I that. I do. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things I really love about what you're doing is that you're you're doing this. First of all, you're doing this fantastic alchemical thing with the CBD by itself. But you're also bringing in Chinese herbal formulas. So for those of us that are like herbal geeks and, you know, we're thinking of like, well, you know, I got this patient. They're like, really, they're wound up. I want to give them some Tianwan Bushindan because, you know, I know that's going to chill them out and they're kind of yin deficient. And, you know, they're, they're they kind of got that flush in the afternoon because they're they got all that heat going up. I mean, could I like give them their herbs in their granulated form and give them a bottle of CBD and, and say, you know, squirt this many squirts into your herbs and, and work that way. And then the next follow-up piece of that is what are some of the formulations that you think seem to work particularly synergistically with the CBD? Yes, you can totally. And that was something that, that I was trying to figure out for a long time was whether or not we could do a complete spectrum granule 
but we haven't figured out how to do that yet. But you can take your granules or your raw herbs and put the complete spectrum oil in there. And potentially, if you wanted to blend that up like bulletproof coffee, it's going to enhance mitochondrial function and improve uh, easy water, structured water in your mitochondria, which is an interesting byproduct. But that's a whole different topic. But yeah, you can totally add the the complete spectrum hemp to the herbal formulas that you want. And obviously, you know, like I, I love herbs to me, raw custom herbs done the traditional way is, is my go-to. I still, you know, I have a ton of raw herbs in my house and I'm constantly cooking them up. So I, I wanted to have the complete spectrum to make sure that people had that option. And that does seem to really potentiate the actions also. So just be aware of that and know that you might have to do lower doses of the herbs. So maybe start your patients on half the amount of Chinese herbs that you normally would and see how they respond to that. As far as potentiating formulas. So it's, it's interesting how many, how much research is coming out on CBD. And I, you know, we might want to do another show where we sort of break down a bunch of the different research and, and how it's working on different parts of the body. But, you know, the main things that CBD is sold for and that people are looking for it for are stress and anxiety, obviously. Uh, It has many ways in which it affects that, including uh, regulating the vagus nerve, you know, again, the SSRI, the the 5-HT1A pathway in the brain. So that works really great with both Shaoyasan in terms of helping move that liver chi and calm the brain since Shaoyasan has, you know, anxiolytic and neuroprotectant properties. So I really love that with CBD. Swanzel Rentong, you know, putting those together for a sleep tonic, obviously super beautiful, really complimentary. Even a good guapi since CBD has a lot of actions in terms of supporting the gut as well. So that's a really nice one because it's getting the the spleen and the heart, which CBD goes to both the spleen and the heart and the liver. Pain is another thing that people use CBD quite a lot for, uh, especially neuropathic pain. So anything that's going to be a really strong blood mover. So maybe like Shreifujutang. Mm-hmm. And there's more research coming out. I haven't looked into it yet, but I was reading about it yesterday. There's some more research coming out on uh, CBD and its effects on the heart. So I think that that's going to be something that's going to be coming out really soon also. You could do like Danshen with some CBD, just a little doyao there. Exactly. It's really, really fun to play around with. And it's it's really something that you know I encourage everybody to do. You can buy, uh, you can even buy raw hemp you know, like cannabis flour, you can buy hemp flour and you can decarb it in your, in your kitchen. It's going to smell a lot like weed, obviously. So just beware that your neighbors are going to think you're smoking all the pot. Uh, but you can, you know, you throw it in the oven, decarb it for half an hour. At, you know, there's charts you can look up. I'll send them to you for the show notes or whatever, but you can, you can buy it. You can do it and you can extract it in your slow cooker. That's what I used to do before we started the company. I'd throw it in my slow cooker with Remy's herbs See what happened. You know, it's it's really fun to play around with. How did you start this company? Well, you know, I was <laughs> pulling around in my kitchen. Dude, and I was in like a massive apartment complex in Brooklyn. And I was like, oh my God, these people just think I'm the biggest pothead in the world. I'm like, it's hemp, whatever. Also, you know, again, the immune modulation effect is really interesting as well. That's something that I've been wanting to dive really deep into is immune modulation. I've done a pretty deep dive into the GI effects, and that's really fun and really, really interesting into Mm -hmm. how much it potentiates specific bacteria. Tell us a little bit about that. So in terms of the gut, which I am a 
a student of the the school of spleen and stomach and and very much believe that that's the the root of all wellness and disease. CBD has been shown to help close tight junctions. It moderates uh, inflammation in the gut by activating the immune system in the GI. So it also helps regulate that immune response. So not only will it sort of activate the immune system there, but it'll sort of give you the we're all good <laughs> signal and keep it in that sort of middle path. Because a lot of times what we're seeing with our GI patients is that hyperreactivity of the immune system in the gut causing IBS, which interestingly, <laughs> sorry, now I'm just getting really nerdy. There was also a study on, on rats that showed that trauma in the rats causing IBS was passed down yes, intergenerationally through the endocannabinoid system. So really? how do they now how do they figure that kind of thing out? You know, I don't know. What does that study <laughs> look like? Holy I, I mean, what kind of person does it take to like sit down and make that kind of a hypothesis? That's fascinating. It's so that's what's so fun about going into the CBD research. You're like, what is it effect? And then like it'll, you know, you find these weird studies. You know, trauma within the endocannabinoid system can cause epigenetic shifts in later generations. And, you know, it's sort of that generational trauma that we see. And we do see that, you know, I can't tell you, I'm a half Jew from Brooklyn. So all of my friends, you know, talk about, you know, the the itis, the Jewish itis. And I'm like, well, no, it's, it's, A, it's trauma and B, it's, you know, we've got to potentiate your, your bacteria and, and probably get rid of the bagels, unfortunately that was a really, really interesting study. It also, as I said, it, there are cannabinoid receptors along the vagus nerve. That seems to be one of the ways that it really affects motility. It potentiates uh, this one bacteria, Moncophilia acromancia, which has been studied for MS and epilepsy. So it's really great for neurological health. And then there's a lot of research showing that it can help with colorectal cancer. So it's really, I mean, it's it's fun once you start diving into different parts of the body when it comes to CBD and seeing how many different ways it really just has this beautiful regulatory effect, you know, even with appetite, you know, so typically people think of THC, you think of the munchies, right? You're going to smoke a little weed, you're going to eat everything in your house. THC can increase uh, your your appetite, whereas CBD tends to have more of a regulatory effect on it. So through that vagus nerve, it's sort of telling you, yeah, I'm full. No, I'm not. Like, mm -hmm. I'm satisfied. I'm safe. It's okay. Yeah. I'm safe. Yes. I'm safe. Exactly. I mean, that's the big thing about the vagus nerve in so many ways. Mm -hmm. I'm safe. Well, and it's the vagus nerve is so interesting to me. You know, again, when you're looking at intractable epilepsy, one of the main ways that we treat intractable epilepsy is they do the vagal nerve stimulator where they do a implant. So there's another nerdy in research study is that uh, there was a research study using electrical stimulation on the vagus nerve point in the ear that showed that that had uh, comparable efficacy to the surgery. So it was a small study and I'm curious to see where that plays out. But I think that, you know, again, in my passion in terms of Chinese medicine for public health intervention, that's the type of thing that we can do that can, you know, really help people and help, you know, like, so say I was considering getting Remy a, a vagal nerve implant, you know, we can stimulate the vagus nerve through the ear and see if he's going to be a good candidate before we sign up for a whole surgical intervention. So you know, again, I, I just encourage all practitioners out there to use their curiosity and follow their passion to use our medicine in really innovative ways.
That's such good advice. And it's endless, right? The tools that we have can be applied in so many different ways. And and, and one of the things I, I love, uh, well, about the Chinese herbs in particular is how we do get to craft these sort of symphonies, right? It is an entourage. You know, it's this, it's this group that goes and gets a job done, right? It's like this project team that, you know, the A, the A team, right? They go out and, and they get stuff done. And I love the idea that there's also this kind of great harmonizer. You know, we think about Gansal as like this great harmonizer that really potentiates the effect of things and it mediates the, the interaction of the herbs and you know, just kind of smooths everything over. And it seems that CBD could really be thought of in that, in that way as a kind of messenger harmonizer sort of substance. Yeah, exactly. It's sort of, sort of like the harmonizer, sort of like the envoy, you know, kind of bringing mm-hmm. it to the different places and, and letting it in, sneaking it in through the back door, <laughs> letting you, you know, like getting you into well, different Knowing parts. what the back channels are, right? I mean, good communication. Mm-hmm. Sometimes if you can't go through the front door, we all know that a good back channel is super helpful to have. Totally. Right? I mean, sometimes we see this in families all the time, right? Like, you know, this sister can't talk to that brother. So, you know, you got to send a message, you know, through the cousin, <laughs> right? Writing Chinese herbal formulas is literally just my, one of my very favorite things. It's just so much fun when you, when you craft a formula that's really beautifully balanced and you can see how they all, all the herbs are working together. And CBD has just been an incredible herb to add to that toolkit. You know, it's, it's not a one size fits all and it's, you know, it is one of our herbs. We have hundreds of them. And, you know, I think that as herbalists, we, you know, have such an ability to, to help people through herbal medicine. And I think that CBD is a really great addition to our regular toolkit in terms of helping people. Um, and in terms of giving, you know, again, giving people that breath, giving people that space and, and helping potentiate the actions of the work that we're already doing with all of the herbs that we've already studied so extensively and built upon, you know, and building upon the the foundations of our, our beautiful medicine that we have the glory of being able to, uh, to practice. Yeah. So again, CBD is very much in our awareness. It's, you know, it's all over the place. It's available in so many places. We've gotten to sit down and have this conversation. I mean, there's a lot that, that, you know, we kind of know about CBD these days and, you know, it's in our awareness in a big way. Is there anything, and maybe that we haven't covered yet, but anything that you would want to tell us about CBD that like, we just may not know yet, but maybe we should know about. It's like, it's like, what's the big secret? What's the big secret? Yeah. Is there a a big secret? I don't know that there is a big secret. I mean, I think we've touched on so, you know, like we haven't gone super in depth on any one thing, but I feel like we've touched on so much. But again, I think it's, it's the same secret as acupuncture and what we've talked about is like giving, giving the body some of the space that it needs to heal, giving the body just a little bit more chi and breath in order to move forward into the next steps and, you know, enough like centeredness and calmness, you know, again, it's, it's bringing the plant medicine to people in a, in a sustainable functional way you know, it just adds, adds to our repertoire. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't take away the need for acupuncture or meditation or movement or any of the other things that we have in our practice, but it can really be an incredible tool to help support our patients and ourselves because 
we give a lot as practitioners and, you know, most of us are small business owners in the time of COVID with the crazy election and all of those things. So, you know, I know for me, when I talk about our products, it's, I'm not trying to pitch it. I'm the worst salesperson ever, but I only sell things that I just love passionately myself. And I don't know what I would do without them. And, you know, there are other CBD products that are, that are really, really high quality also. So. And we've talked a bit today about how to make that assessment for yourself as to what's high quality and how to do the investigation to see what's high quality. So that's super helpful. I didn't realize that, that I could go to really any CBD company's website and, and go look at their um, certificates. They should all be up. If they're not, then that's definitely a red flag for me. Or if you can't easily access them through emailing somebody, you know, like I know for me, again, it's just me. I don't know how to use my website. So like (laughs) we test every single batch that goes through. So sometimes I won't upload the like latest batch and somebody will email and be like, I got this batch and it's, you know, expires this date. Like, do you have the, you know, the COAs for that exact lot number? And I'll be like, sure. And I'll just email it to them. But you you know, like, but there's always, they're always up on the website otherwise. That's really helpful to know that that there is that kind of transparency out there. And, and if you're not finding that transparency, then, uh, you know, keep looking for a different supplier. Definitely. Well, and it's, yeah, it's, it's definitely a tricky field. I mean, there are a lot of people, again, there's a lot of money in the industry. It's kind people of the wild, like, wild west right now, isn't it? It is. And the regulations are really difficult because there's, on some hands, there's, you know, in some ways, there's no regulations. In other ways, there's a lot of regulations. There's really no regulations as to what we put out there. There's just regulations about what we say. So like, even with my products on my website, you'll see like, rest and relax, like may sort of, you know, like, it's like with Chinese medicine may sort of kind of ish treat the symptoms of such and such. Um, Like you can't say anything, you can't make any claims, you can't make anything even close to a claim whatsoever there's that regulation. But in terms of like what the quality of the products are, the only regulation is do they have, you know, X amount, like, are they within range of the amount of cannabinoids that they claim they are on the bottle? That's the only real regulation. And I don't know who, there's nobody testing that. I mean, maybe if somebody were to call you up and like, you know, send you in, somebody might come and test that. But for the most part, it's not tested by anybody that I I'm aware of. So, so the industry um, is, is self-regulated at this point. The industry point. is self-regulated. So and maybe they're true to what they're saying. Maybe they're not. Now, the certificate of authenticity, is that what it's called? Analysis. Analysis, sorry. Certificate of analysis. Will that also tell you the amount of CBD within a certain amount of, of you know, material? Yeah. It does. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. It shows you the amount of CBD and the amount of THC. And then it should break down that ratio to you so you can be able to see how much. There's definitely reason to consider using higher THC products for certain conditions, specifically neurological conditions, specifically pain. You know, one clinical note for some of the practitioners out there is if you are in a state um, where uh, marijuana is legal and your patients are having these issues, you can also you can advise them to get a bottle of THC tincture, you know, they can create ratios, you can create ratios on your own. So THC really helps potentiate uh, the actions when it comes to pain and neurological conditions. So that way, like, sometimes I'll put, you know, a THC tincture into some of our complete spectrum, or if people have 
uh, really insidious insomnia, put a couple, you know, put some of it into our rest and relax and really potentiate that, make sure that they're going to get higher quality sleep. So you can play around with that. Yeah. And, and this raises the question for me, you know, I barely have my toe in the water with this, but I've heard that there's two strains of cannabis, right? So you've got your indica, you've got your sativa, and they have really, really different effects, right? So like for pain, you would probably use one more than the other, but I can't remember which one it is. What, how, how does that work? Can you give us kind of a breakdown, Can, you know, the cannabis team versus sativa team? The way that it was explained to me, which I will never forget, is indica is in the couch. Um, so indica is the, that's they call it couch lock, <laughs> which I cannot smoke an indica at all. I will like, I have far too much work to do. I just, I get super anxious for a lot of people with anxiety. Wait a minute, wait a minute. It makes you anxious? Yeah, well, I indica do. Indica makes you anxious. I have a lot going on. So like for me to like sit down and not be able to really like, function for a couple hours uh cognitively is not Mm -hmm. is not much of an option for me so Mm -hmm. then i get more anxious but from a lot of people with anxiety that doesn't doesn't chill you out it actually makes things worse for me it does yeah i have an indica tincture that i might take if i know i'm not going to be able like if i'm having a hard time sleeping i might add that in with one of my other formulas but sativa is more of a head high sat so head use your head to take the sats so that one's more like more energetic, more activity. So you can sort of get things done. So that's more functional typically. But so depending on your level of anxiety, what that source of anxiety is coming from, normally one is better for you than the other, or you can get a hybrid, which is a combination of both where you sort of fall somewhere in the middle. You are speaking so Chinese medicine-y about this. I really appreciate it. Because <laughs> one of the things I've heard was like, okay, indica, if you need like to like mellow out, you need to sleep, you know, indica is really good for that. If you like that buzzy kind of head thing, sativa for that. But what I'm hearing you say, and this really, really makes sense to me, what kind of anxiety do you have? Well, I get a lot of things done and I like to get things done and I feel like I'm behind and my anxiety comes from... I've got these things to do. I haven't done them. If I take something that prevents me from doing my work, is that going to help me or make me worse? I bet it would make me worse too. I bet that I bet my anxiety would go through the ceiling with that. Whereas if I've got something that gives me a little energy boost, it's like, you know, a little cup of coffee kind of thing. You know, I, I'm like good to go. I can roll with that. Exactly. Yeah, it's uh, it's very interesting. And, and, you know, like, as you play with cannabis medicine, whether it's hemp or THC, it's a very individualized medicine, you know, some people really just need a very little bit, some people need a lot more. And then there's normally a bell shaped curve of efficacy. So you know, you sort of get to a place where things are really good. And then sometimes more is not better. More is usually not better. I mean, we're back to the Goldilocks effect. Exactly. Yeah. You know, the I told my <laughs> I tell my patients all the time, right? Because they're always like, hey, I feel terrible today. Load me up with needles. I'm like, no, 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 no. And, and I remind my patients, right? I'm like, well, you remember as a kid reading that, you know, the great treatise on enoughness, right? You remember reading the great book of enoughness when you were a kid, right? And in fact, your parents read it to you, didn't they? Right? And people look at me like, what the hell are you talking about, <laughs> Michael Max? Goldilocks and the Three Bears, the great treatise on enoughness, right? The Goldilocks zone. It, it's really true. Too much, not helpful. Too little, 
not helpful. What's helpful? What you need when you need it. Mm -hmm. That's what's helpful. That's why Chinese medicine is so amazing, right? Not just the, the methods that we have and the herbs that we use, but the perspective that we have of looking and being able to see what do they need and just that and nothing more. Well, and what's at the heart of it? Like, where and is what's this at the coming heart of from? Yeah, you know, like, do you just need a hug? Like, you know, I have, I have some patients that, like, I was just like, yo, you just need a friend. Like, you want to get a cup of coffee? Like, it's okay, you know. Like, you just need a friend. Wouldn't that be great? It's like I'm not prescribing you herbs. I'm prescribing you take your friend out for coffee twice a week. It's true. I mean, you know, like, and and that's one of the great things that we learn is like how to see, you know, sort of what people need and, and, but not just from a physiological standpoint, but from the whole mind, body, spirit aspect of it, you know, and that's, that's what makes our medicine so unique is that we can really see where people are deficient, no matter what that looks like, or where people are excess, you know, and, and try and work to bring that harmony back together. So well-spoken. I, I really appreciate that perspective. So now, I'm looking at sativa and now I'm looking at indica and realizing I need to bring my Chinese medicine eyes and my Chinese medicine heart to it. It's you. Yeah. You're going to like it. <laughs> Great. I'll send you some edibles. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'll be waiting by the mailbox. <laughs> <laughs> Chloe, anything else to share with us about this vast topic before we wind it down for today? Not much on CBD. You know, I think I think it's a great plant. And I think that, you know, practitioners, you know, we really have a responsibility as herbalists as as the high, most highly trained herbalists that there are to look into it and to provide the highest quality plant products that we can. I think this is a tremendous tool. I also, you know, again, want to harp on we really need to take care of ourselves as individuals. And this is a great tool for that. And I really think that as a community, you know, I just, I want us all to remember that we're all here because we want to help people. And I, I hope that we can work together to, to grow and expand our field and to remember that our mission is all the same at the end of the day. Beautiful. Well, thank you for that. And I want to show you something. So all y'all's out there listening right now, I'm using an internet recording software. Chloe and I can see each other as we're having this conversation, but it, and, and, but it just records high quality video, which is coming in your ears. But Chloe, I want to show you, you see, this is my mail app on my phone. Can uh -huh. you see that? All right. Yeah. Look, see, watch what I'm doing. Delete or what? cancel. Delete. Bye -bye. Isn't it amazing? All right. Don't you already That's feel it. better? I have no email on my phone. How do I feel? I don't even know how I feel yet. Well, maybe just because, you know, we've been talking about this, but I feel a little bit lighter. It's kind of like my phone's not my damn boss so much now. Like I can't even respond to all my emails or text messages as it is. I think I have like 500 and something unopened text messages, let alone don't even get me started on my emails. So like, you know, seeing that I'm getting all these emails and still not having the time to respond is certainly not helping my anxiety level. I hope it works out for you. I've, I've been stoked about it. I'll check back with you and let you know. Maybe I'll let the listeners know too in a month or two if, uh, you know, I'll let, I, I, I will. I'll let, I'll let you all know. I like let's, it. Let's see what happens. I'm going to throw that experiment out in public. Let's see <laughs> what happens. All right. Chloe, as ever, it's been an absolute delight, and I look forward to our next conversation. Thanks so much, Michael. It's been a pleasure. 
wow, there is a lot that I got from this conversation with Chloe. But the thing that really sticks with me is when you might want to use sativa or indica for anxiety based not on the effect of the plant, but more on who the person is and how the influences of that plant might be helpful or not. It reminds me again in answering the question of is some herb helpful or not, we need to attend first to the questions of for whom and when. Thanks as always for listening. If you liked this conversation, if you learned something new or found a moment of inspired insight, share the episode with your friends. If you want to support Geological, there's just one way to do that. It's by going to the website and becoming a member or leaving a one-time contribution today. Well, folks, that's it for today. Join us again next Tuesday for another conversation that connects up the voices of our community. Mm -hmm.